continue, um, actually conclude today the study that we began a few weeks ago called Praise the Lord, and we've been dealing with the subjects of the wonder ways, and today we'll wrap up with the warfare of worship. And um, so I'm going to invite you, as I said, to turn to Second Chronicles, and we're going to be looking at chapter 20, and we'll start reading at verse 1 in just a minute. In fact, that minute is right now. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Let me make sure we're all tracking together. These nations, Moab and Ammon and some other unnamed nations have teamed up together to do battle against the Jews. Jehoshaphat was the name of the king of the of the southern tribes of Judah, or southern tribes of Israel called Judah. <clears throat> and so what we're seeing here as this story opens up is a, a amassing of a mighty force of many nations against Jerusalem, against Ju Judah, against the southern tribes of Israel. Verse 2, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is En Gedi. What that means is they, they, they come to Jehoshaphat and say, Jehoshaphat, get ready. You're about to be uh, besieged by these nations that are coming against you. In fact, they've already penetrated your, um, your outer defenses. They're already within your borders. Verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. It's pretty serious when you ask your whole nation to go without food. He's desperate. Then verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do... Uh, you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? He is recounting the things that he knows of God's faithfulness. He goes to prayer and he goes to prayer publicly in front of all of the people of Israel, and he starts to recount the favor, the goodness, the power of God. Verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Listen, have you ever been... Uh, uh, sandwiched in between a swarm of circumstances that were assaulting your life. You were facing a multi-pronged assault upon your life. I remember one time I was, I was desperate for employment. We, Sue and I were in between uh, church assignments. We had um, resigned from one congregation to move to another part of the state to plant a new church and uh, as we were preparing to do that, we were trying to find ways to support ourselves. And so I was looking for a job and kind of desperate for one. And I, I was offered a job where I had three months to uh, turn things around in this retail business, 
uh, get enough revenue generated so that I could retire a bunch of indebtedness that had been accumulated, pay my own salary, and then set the business up to be able to continue on a, on a healthy uh, plane and support, uh, with enough revenue to support me uh, in my role. I had three months to do that, and if I didn't do it, I was out of a job. Not the best of employment terms, but all I had to go on. So I took the assignment. I was able to get things going well enough. We were able to retire the debt. It was We did raise enough revenue to pay my salary for three months. But it was a retail business that was heading into a slow time of year. And uh, I could tell we just weren't going to be able to uh, continue at a pace that would make it possible for, us to, uh, for it to support me. So I fired myself before I got fired. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. So anyway, I started to walk out of the door that last day, not knowing where my next paycheck was going to come from. Just lost my job. Went out into the parking lot. My car broke down. So I just lost my job, and now my car broke down. Oh, good. Yeah, you know, just, just really swell. I don't even know how I got home because my car wasn't running, but I caught home, walked in the door, and found a message from these people who had rented our house in the town we had just come from, we had tried for months to sell it and weren't able to sell it and finally got somebody to rent it for us. And we were still upside down because our mortgage payments were more than we were taking in on rent, but oh well, it was a little better than nothing, right? So now I get home after this weird day and there's a message from them. They said, oh, by the way, we just uh, got a new job in another part of the country and we're, move we're moving right away and sorry about the lease. <laughs> Swell. Oh, great. This is just, yeah, just perfect. It was such a stressful day that then after all that, I decided, well, you know what? I'm just going to pick a fight with my wife. <laughs> and just miserable all the way around. Anybody here ever had that kind of day? All right, I'm talking to the right people then. The people of Israel are facing that kind of a scene. I mean, it's coming at them from everywhere and already penetrating their outer defenses. They're in serious shape. And Jehoshaphat, after going before the people and praying, he says, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, verse 13 says, with all their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now, it gives us his pedigree there. Uh, all you need to know is that there's this guy named Jehaziel that uh, speaks for the Lord. The Lord is speaking. The Scripture wants us to know this is not just coming out of his head. This is God speaking. Um, let's see, verse 15. And he said... Listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Excuse me, I, I, I uh, skipped a verse there. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17 now. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who's with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now here's some of the things that 
the Lord is saying to the people in this desperate situation some things that we need to hear about because even if the storm is already passed in your life for the present, I can guarantee you another one is coming. See, we have this idea that the devil plays fair with us. You know, that day that I described for you a minute ago, uh, there was part of me that thought, I've already lost my job. Surely he's going to give me a break for the rest of the day. Uh-uh. In fact, we have an enemy that loves to kick us when we're down. He salivates over that. He loves to exploit and take advantage of every weakness and every condition that we face because he hates, and I don't say that to frighten you, but he hates you. He hates you for what you represent of the, of the power and presence of God in this world. So he is not going to cut you a break. And uh, so even if you have the, the, your, the storm that came to your mind a minute ago and you raise your hand to say, hey, I've had days like that, even if that storm has passed, chances are another one is not far away. And when you find yourself in that place where you're desperate to know what God uh, wants to do and desperate for him to do something, remember these things that the Lord said to the people in their desperate situation. The first is, he said, when you're facing a multi-pronged assault, he said, don't be afraid. Don't surrender to fear. Now, we think that that's just a, most of us think that fear is just a natural reaction. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, yes, there is. And that's why the Lord said to them, don't be afraid. The Lord's never going to ask you to do something you can't do. He's going to invite you to do what he's going to enable you to do. And in this case, resist fear. And resist fears, buddy, uh, depression, discouragement, despair. Don't make room for despair either. These two go together here. Under the inspiration of the Lord, Jehaziel says, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. When you face that kind of stuff, choosing not to be afraid and not to go down the path of despair, discouragement, and defeat is huge. That one thing is huge. Just decide, I'm not going there. Remember the Apostle Paul, he said to his son in the faith, Timothy, he said, Tim, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when you are tempted to be afraid and tempted to be dismayed or discouraged or depressed, that's, all, that's what it is. It's a temptation. You don't need to give in to it. You don't need to surrender to it. In fact, choose not to. That's what the Lord says. And then he goes on to say to them, position yourselves. In verse 17, position yourselves or take, adopt a faith posture. It's amazing how, how we neglect these simple things and yet how powerful they are. What is a faith posture? Is that this? <laughs> No. <laughs> a faith posture is when you hide in the skirts of Jesus. That's a faith posture. I know the one whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. That's what the Bible says. So I run to him. That's a position of faith. Not run in fear, but run to the one who can overcome anything we could ever Face, position yourself 
Adopt a posture of faith. Then he goes on to say, stand still. That's talking about ceasing from your frantic efforts to rescue yourself. You know what it's like. You get squeezed in, those, in that moment with everything coming against you, and you're just, you know, <laughs> I just picture pig pen. I picture that with all this stuff swirling around. I guess the Tasmanian devil would, would qualify as well. I know what it's like to just feel like I'm in this tornado of effort to try to find a solution. And it never works and actually makes things worse. I get stressed. I get uh, wearied. I, you know, it's like I'm coming unglued. And the Lord says through Jehaziel, stop it. Stand still. Hardest thing to do with armies bearing down on you and things not going well, but oh, how powerful that is. To cease from my frantic efforts to rescue or save myself. And then he says, so position yourself, stand still. And then he says, see the salvation of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means to begin to allow your vision to rise above your circumstances. Look to the salvation of the Lord. Instead of being focused on what's not going well or what potentially could go wrong, begin to see the salvation of the Lord. Put your, set your sights on him and what he's about to do. The fulfillment of the promises that he has made to you. And then verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So they adopt this faith posture as they begin to engage in a, <clears throat> in a spiritual uh, battle plan. They, they humble themselves in worship, humble worship. Verse 19, then the Levites of the children of the Korahites and of the children of the Korahites, all this means that these are guys that are, who are worship leaders. It wouldn't be wrong to say they were somewhat like the team that was up here earlier on the platform leading us in worship. These guys, they rise up. Everybody's kneeled, kneeling. The whole nation, they're kneeling. Humble, humble worship before God. And then these guys lead a change in worship as they stand up. Everybody follows them. And it says they lifted praise before the Lord with voices loud and high. And now not only have they engaged in humble worship, but they also now have switched to passionate praise. Verse 21, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And then they shift to a different kind of worship, a militant exaltation. And Jehoshaphat, uh, whether this would have been considered a wise tactic or not, I'll leave that to you to decide, but he got the worship leaders and he sent them out ahead of the armies and they go out in force before everyone else and lead this triumphant phrase. They say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they begin to now advance against their enemies. As far as they know, they're headed for certain doom. But they begin to advance. And with every step, they're singing, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. 
Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set, the Lord set, the Lord set, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utter, utterly kill and destroy them. And when they'd made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> Crazy. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. While they're marching, while the people of Israel are marching forward, you know, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever, they can't see what's happening. As the, as the enemy is de being defeated by the Lord himself. Listen, there's always a lot more going on than you know. It isn't until they come to this rise where they are able to look over and see the wilderness where they are suddenly aware, wait a minute, God has already defeated our enemies. Have you ever had that surprise? I, I'm raising my hand because I've seen that so many times. I'm, I get to the place where I, I don't even want to look because I'm afraid of what I'm going to see, but... Oh, God has been here. He's done the job. He's faithful and good. My point is that when we uh, engage in worship, when we set our hearts to be in a position of worship, God, it releases God to do things behind the scenes, including the defeating of our enemies. But he doesn't stop there. Look at, uh, at uh, verse... 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off, of them, uh, they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were, they were three days <laughs> gathering the spoil because there was so much. Not only were they not defeated that day, they were enriched. That's amazing. But you see, we have these promises in God's word. One of which is Romans 8, 28. All, I, all things, all things work together for good to those who love God. That doesn't mean that everything is arranged by God. It's not that God causes everything. Sometimes people will say it that way. It doesn't that. It's all things work together for good. That means that whatever is the enemy slings at you, God will sling it back at him. Whatever was meant for your harm, God will cause to work for your good. Joseph, many of you would know the story, son of Jacob, one of 12 brothers who was sold by his other brothers into slavery ended up becoming the second-ranking person in the nation of Egypt, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth. And as a result, the people of Israel were spared from, from famine and given a place to live within, within Egypt. You, you guys know the story. When his brothers, who sold him into slavery, came to him after their father had died, figuring, okay, now the only reason he's, been in, he's shown us kindness is because dad's still alive. Now he's gone... Surely the axe is coming. And they came to him and plead for mercy. I'm impressed, aren't you? 
<laughs> I, I forget where I was. Anyway, when they come to him, and they come to him, and they're pleading for mercy. Here's what Joseph says. He says, you guys meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. That's why we're all alive today, because God is able to take what the enemy meant for evil, what you meant for evil, and cause good to come. So not only when we worship is God defeating our enemies, but he is also advancing his purposes in our lives. This is always true, always true. When we come to the Lord in, in faith and lay before him uh, our fear, our discouragement, and choose instead to position ourselves in faith, to cease from our whirlwind of activity to try to save ourselves. And we choose to fix our gaze on the promises that God has given us and the fulfillment of those promises instead of focusing on what's not going well. And then worship. Things change. I would like to ask you to join me in something now. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself uh, as such, but it may be that you're someone today who is facing a swarm of assault against your life. Today, you may be up against some, some insurmountable, in your thinking, some insurmountable financial crisis. A relationship that's tormented and, and broken a, a physical infirmity of some sorts, a diagnosis that is, is just overwhelming you or someone you love. God is bigger. He's bigger than that. He's greater. And when I say bigger, he's greater than that. More powerful than whatever it is that you come up against. And I want to ask you, with that thing in mind, if you would join me on my knees. Let's get to our knees and let's humble ourselves and worship before the Lord. Let's do what they did. And if for whatever reason you're not physically able to get to your knees, don't worry about it. Just stay seated. But and now there on your knees, let's do what they did. They worship. Let's just humble ourselves before the Lord. Begin to speak things to him about his greatness and your need. And Lord, I do come to you acknowledging you are the awesome God of all gods. You are the creator of all things, the eternal sovereign of the universe. And Lord, it's amazing that you would even know my name and yet your word says you do. Lord, that you would have any concern at all for my circumstances is beyond what I can comprehend. And yet your word says you do. I bow before you in humble adoration. You are the one who is deserving of all my praise and all my devotion. You alone, God, are worthy of our praise. The master of all things, the mighty, the mighty Jehovah God. Bless you. Bless you, Lord. I honor you, Lord Jesus. And we just come together, Lord, on our knees before you, recognizing that there isn't anything 
that we have. There's nothing of intelligence, nothing of physical strength, nothing of skill that we have to offer. We're faced with things, Lord, that are beyond us, but not beyond you. As we bow at your feet, we recognize you are more than able. And now let's do what they did. Let's rise to our feet. And let's do what they did, which is to raise our voices loud and high. Let's begin to put the praises of God on our lips. If, it, if all it is is that you say God is good, let's do that. Lord, we praise you, the mighty God, worthy of exaltation. We lift up our voices. We lift up your name. Praises to you, living God. You are good. You are faithful. You are kind. You are true. You are loving. You are righteous. You are just. God, we love you. We praise and adore you, King Jesus. Awesome God, great God, mighty God, we praise you. We lift up your great name. We exalt you, the living God. Praise to you, praise to you, praises to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now let's do what they did. Let's, let's march into the face of whatever it is that's confronting you, singing, declaring, speaking, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Let's do that now. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And again, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And again, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you behind the scenes are active. That Lord, beyond anything we could ever conjure up of our own uh, from our own energies of any sorts, whether they are emotional or intellectual, beyond all that, you are at work. You are at work to defeat our enemies and to further your will for our lives. So we claim right now, in your name, the defeat of every adversary yes. and the unleashing of resource unto your will. Yes. And we pray this in Jesus' name. This is recording number 11129 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 2, 2014. This is the third and final message in a series by Randy Bolt titled, Praise the Lord. This message is titled, The Warfare of Worship.